This is a podcast from the Business Times. Starting the week, Singapore stocks opened slightly weaker. The Straits Times Index headed down 0.2% at the open and slid 1.4% to close at 3,132.37 points as investors remained cautious following the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank in the US. On Tuesday, Singapore stocks slid at the open. The SDI was down 0.6% in early trade. Stocks across the region closed lower. The SDI slipped 0.08%, closing at 3,129.75 points. At the midweek, Singapore stocks opened in positive territory and stayed in the green lane, snapping a five-day losing streak. The SDI rose 1.4% to close at 3,172.92 points. Gold prices edged down due to an uptick in the US dollar and bond yields, while investors assessed the Federal Reserve's rate hike trajectory. After a closely watched consumer prices report showed still high inflation. And on Thursday, Singapore stocks fell back into the red, tracking a broader regional decline as banking sector concerns continue to weigh on markets. The SDI fell 0.5% to close at 3,155.54 points. It's Friday, March 17th. Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. I'm podcast editor, Clarissa Montero. Singapore stocks opened higher, tracking solid gains in global markets following several major developments in the banking sector worldwide. The SDI rose 0.5%, to 3,170.38 points shortly after opening. Data released this morning from Enterprise Singapore showed key exports contracted for the fifth straight month in February, but at a slower pace than the month before, as the decline in non-electronic shipments eased. Here's Candice Lee, market analyst at SGX Securities, wrapping the trading week. The SDI, along with global markets, was in the red most of the week, with much focus on the resilience of the global banking sector. In the first four sessions of the week, SDI declined 0.7% in line with the FTSE APEC index 0.8% dip. Thursday saw the SDI retreat half a percentage point following Wall Street's 0.7% dip on Wednesday night. However, within the SDI, resilient stocks that outperformed the SDI yesterday were mainly REITs and consumer-related stocks. The top five performing SDI stocks were Mapletree Industrial Trust, Capitaland Integrated Commercial Trust, Genting Singapore, Sets and Mapletree Logistics Trust. They averaged 1.8% price gains on Thursday. In Singapore, the Monetary Authority of Singapore said that the Singapore banking system remains sound and resilient amid the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and a couple of other small banks, and that the Singapore banking system has insignificant exposures to these failed banks in the US. All three local banks reported record performance for the year ending 31st December, driven by higher net interest income and record net interest margins. They have also reported high liquidity coverage ratios and net stable funding ratio, averaging 148% and 117% respectively, well above minimum regulatory requirements. Looking at the broader Singapore market, outperformers for the week for companies with a market cap of at least $500 million were Semcorp Marine, Maple Tree Industrial Trust and Jabfa, averaging 3.2% gains. In terms of institutional fund flows in Singapore across the last five sessions through to 15th of March, we observed net institutional fund outflows of $119 million. 
by sector, the highest net outflows over the last five sessions were seen across financial services at 104 million, followed by REITs at 37 million and real estate, excluding REITs, at 16 million. On the other hand, utilities saw the highest net inflows of 35 million, followed by consumer non-cyclicals at 12 million and telecommunications at 5 million. Largest outflows were seen in UOB, DBS and city developments, while largest inflows were seen across SEMCOP Industries, OCBC and Wilmer International. In particular, OCBC received net inflows from both institutional and retail investors of $31 million and $50 million respectively. For the more passive investors, the SGX-listed ETFs that saw the most trading activity in the week include the Lion OCBC Securities Hansing Tech ETF, SPDR Gold Shares ETF, and of course the STI ETF. Raphael Lim, correspondent from the Business Times News Desk, joins us to share his take of the week's drivers. Raf, what a volatile week it's been. Definitely, Teresa. Global markets were hit with a wave of volatility during the past trading week as news of bank failures in the US added on to investors' worries of inflation and high interest rates. The US saw its second and third largest bank failures in its history in quick succession. Concerns over Silicon Valley Bank began late last week, with ratings agency Moody's downgrading the bank's credit. Depositors later pulled their money from the bank, causing a bank run, leading to its failure. Regulatory bodies in the US introduced measures to guarantee the deposits in SVB, and another failed bank, Signature Bank, even beyond the limits of the deposit insurance scheme. The move likely prevented further turmoil from hitting financial markets during the week, even though investors remained edgy. The concerns were not just limited to the US, with European banks also seeing a wave of heavy selling on Wednesday, sparked by concerns over Credit Suisse. Over the five trading days ending Thursday, global markets were all in negative territory. Stocks in Japan led losses in the Asia-Pacific region, with the Nikkei 225 down 5.6% over the last week. Other key indices in Taiwan, Thailand, Hong Kong and Malaysia were down between 35 to 4%. Meanwhile, Singapore stocks were down 1.8%, a relatively decent performance despite the broadly bearish regional sentiment. Investors' nerves over the banking sector saw shares of the three local banks fall during the five trading days, with DBS down 2.8%, OCBC down 3.1% and UOB down 4.5%. This was despite the Monetary Authority of Singapore's statement that the local banking sector was secure and not at risk of the ill effects from the failed US banks. Other underperforming stocks during the week include Yang Zijiang Shipbuilding, which fell 8.3%, and the Jardine Entities. Jardine Cycle and Carriage, Jardine Matheson, Hong Kong Land and DFI Retail Group were among the five worst-performing STI stocks during the week, sliding between 4.5 and 6.8%. Some of them were trading ex-dividend. But the STI was supported by strong performance from the S-REITs, with all seven of the index REITs finishing higher during the week. The positive sentiment for these counters came as rate-hike expectations in the US East amid financial stability considerations. Inflation data during the week also came in within market expectations, with US CPI rising 6% year-on-year. Two-year Treasury yields in the US plunged during the week, and market expectations moved from a 50 basis point interest rate hike during the US Federal Reserve meeting next week to one where the Fed might pause on its rate hikes. 
Maple Tree Logistics Trust was the best-performing REIT, rising 4.9%, while Fraser's Logistics and Commercial Trust and Keppel DC REIT were also up 49 and 4.1% respectively. Samcorp Industries was the top STI performer after it gained 6.6% during the week and hit its all-time high share price at one point. It said on Monday that its JV had won a contract for a solar power plant in Oman, while most market watchers do not expect systemic issues to arise out of the current bank failures in the US, many note that much uncertainty remains in the market. For one, investors would be watching whether there would be further impacts from the bank failure in the US and how it may affect the broader markets. Another key data point to watch out for next week is the outcome of the US Federal Reserve's FOMC meeting. Investors would certainly be eager to find out whether the Fed decides to stick to its rate hike path to fight sticky inflation or if it hits the brakes in view of the recent financial instability in the largest banks. Either way, we should expect plenty of action in terms of market activity in the coming week. Still to come, we look at non-bank related notable news for the week with Candice. A brand new monthly podcast inspired by the Business Times column, Off the Record joins the BT Podcasts lineup in April. Conversations in which editors from the newsrooms of SPH Media Trust discuss the modern news industry from their insider's perspective. Editors Talk will feature straight-talking editors addressing challenges, strategies and offer insights into how newsrooms have had to adapt in the face of digital transformation. Information that might just offer you answers in your business sector's digital transformation journey. First episode out in April. And now, back to market focus from the Business Times. Candice, although the big news for the week has been bank failures and fear of contagion and liquidity fears, could you highlight some other notable news to take into the week ahead? Sure, Clarissa, of course. In fact, there's some silver lining coming from the export data released this morning. Singapore's key exports contracted for the fifth straight month in February, but it was at a slower pace than the month before as the decline in non-electronic shipments eased. Non-oil domestic exports declined 15.6% year-on-year in February, but this is an improvement from the 25% decline in January. Singapore Commercial Credit Bureau's Business Optimism Index for the second quarter 2023 also fell further to 4.6 percentage points and this was from 4.73 percentage points in the previous quarter. This was dragged down by poor sentiments in manufacturing and trade. SCCB expects the outlook to be uncertain as rising interest rates, latent vulnerabilities of the global financial system and escalations in geopolitical tensions are likely to weigh on overall business confidence in the coming months. Singapore's total employment growth was at an all-time high in 2022, reaching 2.9% above its pre-pandemic level in 2019. Non-resident employment made up 88% of the increase. This was primarily due to the hiring of work permit holders in sectors such as construction and manufacturing. However, non-resident employment level is still 0.8% lower than 2019 levels. Resident employment surpassed 2019 levels by 4.8%, mostly in outward-oriented sectors such as financial services as well as information and communications. Singapore's international visitor arrivals in February set a new record since the pandemic began, but remained below the 1.7 million visitors recorded in January 2020, and this was before the COVID-19 pandemic. In the year to date, Singapore has reported some 1.9 million international visitor arrivals. This is against Singapore Tourism Board's expectations of 12 million to 14 million visitors for the entire year. 
The sales of new private residential units in Singapore rose despite the number of units launched dipping in February. There were 2.2% fewer properties launched than the 410 units launched for sale in January. However, total sales were still down on a year-on-year basis. Data from the Urban Redevelopment Authority indicated that 94.7% of new homes were sold for at least $1.5 million in February. Subsale volumes, which is a key indicator of speculative buying in Singapore's private residential market, rose in 2022 to their highest level since 2013 with 765 transactions. This was a 34.7% jump from the year-ago period. A subsale is recorded when a buyer resells a property bought directly from the developer before the project is completed. According to data analysed by ERA, subsale transactions made in 2022 had an average holding period of around four years, with a vast majority being money-making. The URA and the Housing and Development Board, HDB, released two sites for sale under the first half 2023 government land sales program. The sites comprise a private residential site at Jalan Tembusu and an executive condo site at Tampany Street 62. Together, these two sites can yield about 1,540 residential units. Candice, could you give us some company-focused news that might be of interest to investors in the week ahead? Sure, let me start with the national carrier. SIA reported lower passenger capacity in February 2023 compared to the previous month, and this was at 71% of pre-COVID-19 levels. This was mainly attributed to February being a shorter month and the cessation of supplementary flights after the year-end peak travel season. Cargo operations registered a load factor of 54%, which is 15 percentage points lower year-on-year. Shifting gear to the real estate sector, Land announced that it is selling two of its industrial properties to an unrelated third party for $115 million. This is expected to result in a gain of disposal of $47 million before deducting selling expense. The group noted that the disposal is part of its capital recycling strategy and is in the normal course of business. For its full year 2022 results, Land reported a 25% increase in revenue due to higher development and rental income but a 50% decline in profit attributable to owners due to fair value loss and higher interest cost. City Development announced that it has completed its acquisition of the St. Catherine Docks development in London for £395 million. This translates to £751 per square foot on the existing net letable area. The deal increased the group's total commercial assets in the UK to around £1 billion, while also enhancing the group's recurring revenue stream. According to CDL, the development attracts over 5.9 million visitors annually and has an occupancy rate of 90% with a well-diversified tenant base. Samcourt Industries, through its 80%-owned joint venture with Jinko Power, has been awarded a contract to build, own and operate a 500-megawatt solar plant in Oman, Middle East. The project is expected to be operational by 2025 and is backed by a 20-year power purchase agreement with Oman Power and Water Procurement Company. The project will be financed with internal cash and external bank borrowings. Manulife US REIT, in a response to a media query, confirmed that its REIT manager is in discussions with Mirai Asset Global Investments to explore a potential transaction that may involve the acquisition of its manager and the subscription of new units in Manulife US REIT. 
DBS and Heritage Capital announced the first close of the Asia Impact First Fund, which raised 20 million USD and was launched last August. It has an investment mandate to support innovative and high-growth social enterprises in the region. The fund has a target size of 50 million USD and expects to provide catalytic growth capital to 10 to 15 social enterprises that can clearly demonstrate social or environmental impact as well as viable business growth plans to scale their double bottom line of impact and profitability. This has been Market Focus from the Business Times. I'm Clarissa Montero with Candice Lee, Market Analyst at SGX Securities and Raphael Lem, Correspondent with the Business Times News Desk. This is a podcast by the Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.